Welcome to the campfire, the only place where friends and strangers alike sit down and tell tales in truth or fiction, in exchange of my blessing of their safe travels. Allow me to relight the fire while you relax and listen. Make your mind wander about the reality we live in. This story I'm about to tell you tonight is called My Ex-Housemate Was Potentially a Serial Killer From User to Leaded User Sit back, relax, and fall asleep as you listen to our tales. This is a convoluted story, so bear with me as I try to convey everything I can recall about what led me to the conclusion that my ex-housemate could have potentially been a serial killer or serial killer in the making. It was the summer of 2015 when I moved in and at first appearance my housemate, Landlord Mike, was somewhat normal, if not a bit socially awkward and dysfunctional. When I was signing the papers, he was adamant that I should never go into the basement, which I thought was odd, but I really needed a place to stay. And, well, people have their little quirks, so I just chalked it up to that at the time. As I got to know Mike and our cohabitation continued, I learned more about the depths of his dysfunction. Firstly, that he used meth. Now I don't automatically judge people based on vices, but I was surprised at the extent of his use. He was probably the first person I knew who used meth and balanced a full-time job and enjoyed a decent amount of success. The reason this is important to the story is that when he would be around the house, drinking and using meth, he would start to run off at the mouth. He would often joke that if I smelled lie coming from the basement, not to think anything of it. I think it was probably the third time he said this that I asked why he keeps saying that, and he said I use chemicals to clean up after the bodies with a wily grin on his face. I tried to chalk that up to a bad sense of humor, but it didn't sit right with me. He was also very particular that I let him know of my coming and going, and my work schedule. I remember him being shocked and uncomfortable one day that I ended up taking off of work because he didn't realize that I was home. I remember that day because there was a lot of clanging, and what sounded like muffled shouting coming from the basement. His car was in the driveway, but he was not in the main house or his bedroom. On other days he would play very loud music that bumped through the whole house. Sometimes he would even play NPR talk radio at those volumes. In retrospect, I think he may have been trying to mask sounds. He would make remarks about sex workers, saying you can do whatever you want, you can choke them or beat them to death and nobody cares. I took exception to this. I told him I thought that was messed up. But when he would get tweaking, he'd always come back around to alluding to the same kind of violence, talking about how he was a normal white guy who owned a house and had a good career, so the police would never suspect him. At this point, I start to think that it has gone too far to simply be a joke. I was in a weird position because money was tight at the time and my options were few. I tried to convince myself that even if he is messed up, he is probably just engaging in outward fantasy. I knew that he would acquire the services of sex workers on occasion, but again, did not judge that activity at face value, but started becoming concerned. Then, at one point when I was doing laundry, I caught whiffs of decomposition. The house we were in was in southeast Portland. It was relatively new, having grown up in upstate. And why, I know that animals can be trapped in walls and die, but this was the garage, and no animals were scurrying in the walls. This was strange and telling to me. I considered carefully what I would do, and decided I would confront him about the smell. 
I decided to pose the question in a somewhat suggestive way by expanding on his jokes. I told him that he needs to do a better job cleaning up the bodies because I smelled decomposition from the garage. I will never forget his reaction. His eyes widened, and he shot me a sharp glare, somewhere between fear and anger. He stumbled over his words and eventually responded, What? Really? I said yes, really. And there was a few seconds of awkwardness before he said thanks for letting me know and promptly went into his bedroom and shut the door. A few days after that he went into the upper crawlspace in the garage while I was again doing laundry. He called for me and was trying to convince me to come up into the crawlspace. My body locked up and it was like my instincts were screaming at me that if I went up there I would not come back down. I gave some excuse that I can sparsely remember that I had to be someplace, packed up my laundry, threw it in my room, and left. He spent a lot of time in the padlocked basement without a doorknob. The only way in was through the backyard. I wish I would have gone down there in retrospect to either confirm or dismiss the suspicions once and for all. In the last couple of months I had lived there, I was privy to more graphic comments about women and sex workers, explicit talk of sexual violence, and he was using more and more. He once showed me a video he made which featured heavy bondage themes, interspersed with distorted audio of women screaming, and the strange leering figure in a plague doctor costume. It was one of those situations where any one of these things alone may be innocuous, but as they accumulated it became suspicious to me. It was October of 2016 that I left there, taking off to Osteoid camp during the anti-pipeline protests with Standing Rock Lakota. A mix of feeling called to action and having nothing to lose, as I wanted to get out of that house in the worst way. On my last night there he was drinking and tweaking again. Started in on the same conversation, loosely describing murder and sexual violence in the tone of some sort of edgy joke. I told him he would be caught eventually, not even holding back my suspicion anymore. He reiterated that he was the last person police would suspect and asserted that they wouldn't catch him. He said this in a very serious and concise way, dropping the pretense he had been using before. I left the next morning. This haunted me for months, then a year, then a year and a half. I felt as though I hadn't done anything. The guilt was eating away at me, so I called Portland Crime Stoppers and put in an anonymous tip describing what I had described here. When I did, the operator started going back and forth putting me on hold because the call had piqued the interest of the police sergeant who was assigned to the call center. So they were asking me detailed questions about his vehicle, his house, the methods he described, etc. It seemed like they took interest. I gave them as much information as I could remember and left it at that, feeling just a little better than I had at least tried to do something about it. Fast forward to recent times, I told my mother about all of this, and she became interested, asking what house this was, and she ended up pulling it up on G-Maps. She put up the street view, and I noticed that there was a large enclosed trailer in the driveway that wasn't there when I was. I could theorize why it might have been there, but cannot put together a practical reason for it, or why he'd be using it unless he was moving or using it to haul things to discard. Admittedly, that is pure conjecture, but I couldn't help but wonder. I doubt that I will get closure or have my suspicions validated unless he does finally get caught and arrested, and I read about it. I have grown up poor and been around the low life a lot. I have interacted with many sketchy and unsavory people in my time, but none of them have ever made the impression that Mike made on me. Make of it what you will, but I hope I never meet him again. Now, that was the end of my tale. I hope you enjoyed yourself. 
listening while escaping the world you live in. That is all for today. Safe travels and a blessed day. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.